Welcome to Season 2 of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. She used to have a summer job breaking and entering, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) And do you know what this man is carrying in his head? The cure to NAS. Evan Wells. <laughs> yes. We got some lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. I want to just mention up top, you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com. You can email us, coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. And we have this great group of people that regularly interacts with us and us with them. And we share gifts and Keanu news, and it's great. So if you want to join, please do. No pressure. You're here. You're listening. Mm-hmm. Also want to introduce something new. We're just going to do a rundown of what's happening in this episode. So you kind of get the play-by-play of what's going to happen. We're going to discuss a contest that we're running right now. We're going to learn about the world in 1995. Evan is going to serenade us with synopsis, cast, and crew information. (laughs) Whitney is doing what she normally does and does best, critical and audience reception. (laughs) We're going to do our general movie thoughts, the world's favorite game, and then we're going to close with our in-depth analysis, and it's going to be amazing. So that's the show. Yes, those are the chapters. (laughs) Right. Agenda. Maybe, if you're lucky, I'll actually add chapter markers. I don't know. It's it's an unbelievable amount of work to actually do that. You would not think something so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, Whitney, with 7,000 podcasts and running, she knows that chapter (laughs) markers are not... (laughs) You gotta... It's so stupid. That's aside from the point. Let's talk about (laughs) this cool contest. Last week, you'll be listening to this on Tuesday. So last week on Tuesday, we announced a contest, which is really great, to win Best Picture 2019 on Blu-ray. I'm talking about John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Of course. This contest, it's, it's Movie super of easy. The year. <laughs> Film of the year. Oh, the decade. <laughs> it's good. We're talking Emmys. We're talking Oscars. We're talking Tonys, probably, I guess. We're going probably. for the full Gosh. EGOT for this. Gosh, would I watch John Wick 3 on Broadway? Yes, Hell yes I would. <laughs> yes. yes. Chad. Yes. I know you're listening to this, Chad Stahelski. Please make this happen. To enter this contest, it's super easy. You can find it by going to coolbreezepod.com slash contest, right? I've made it as easy as possible that in that regard. And it's also our pinned tweet. So go there also. It runs until September 9th, which is one day before the Blu-ray releases. Following us on Twitter, if you already do that, you already have two points. You just have to claim them. That's two entries for you. If you tweet about it, you get one more. If you write a review, we're throwing 10 entries your way. And then if you do all that stuff, there's a thing where you just get bonus entries daily because you're such a good listener of the podcast. If you want. It's up to you. If you started last week, that's potentially 45 entries. Hmm. If you started as of this recording, it's 38. But that's still a lot of entries. So your chances are pretty good. I didn't want to limit it too much. A lot of our listeners are U.S.-centric. But if you're somewhere else in the world, maybe we'll do a digital code or something. We'll take care of you. Enter. It's great. So we've reached a new year of Keanu's career. And as we always do, let's talk about what was happening in the world in 1995. High-level stuff. Pop culture nothing too, uh, nothing too dour. Here we go. Michael Jordan returns to basketball. I forgot for a moment that he left, but then I remember the movie. <laughs> I remember the movie Space Jam, where he was playing <laughs> baseball, and I think that's yeah. why he came back, right? 
The space shuttle Atlantis docks with uh, the Mir space station, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. A fellow named Steve Fawcett performs what they are calling a trans-Pacific hot air balloon flight. And he does that solo by himself. So I don't know how long that took. I should have looked that up. Sounds like a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Windows 95 is released by Microsoft, which is important for what we're watching today. Windows 95, Mm -hmm. just keep that in your mind. JavaScript was also introduced and deployed today. And now you can't actually (laughs) go to a website if that is off. None of them work. It's crazy. DVDs are announced. They're not even out yet. They're announced, though. They're like, we think we could put data on these these optical discs. Craziness. That's awesome. And then, as we always do, 1995 in film. Here's a list of movies that came out in 1995. Just really quickly, we have Toy Story, Batman Forever, Apollo 13, Pocahontas, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. That's the second one, right? Yeah? Yeah. Goldeneye, Casper, Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Braveheart, and our Best Picture winner, Forrest Gump. Hmm. It's kind of a weird year for movies. It is a weird year. <laughs> yeah. Which one are you watching for the rest of your life? Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm going to say Apollo 13. So I watch I watch Casper every year in the month of October. I do. I have like a few <laughs> Halloween oh, yeah. regular movies. Definitely. And, uh, and Casper is always one of them. So that's probably the one that I would pick just so I could keep up the tradition of Halloween movies. Fun, fun. Do you, do you watch... Nightmare Before Christmas at Halloween or at Christmas? Uh, usually at Halloween. Oh, God. I don't want to get into it, but it's a Christmas movie. We, we won't get into <laughs> it. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's in the title. So. Well, my, my dad is so into Christmas that I have to actually, actually like, fight him for it to start after <laughs> Halloween, which is my birthday. <laughs> so oh, that's why oh, we usually go. do, like, the day of or the day after Halloween is usually Nightmare Before Christmas Day because that's, like, officially the time when my dad can start playing Christmas music with me Perfect. around and whatever. I was like, you have to wait till after my birthday. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. It, it actually makes more sense than you know. I mean, maybe, because the Nightmare Before Christmas, that... That movie takes place the day after Halloween, That that mm. which is why it's a Christmas movie. It's not a Halloween movie. That's go. fine. I digress. Uh, maybe Die Hard uh, with a Vengeance, third one. Uh, despite wow. the fact that uh, Speed is a better movie than the original Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd say Batman. That was the second worst Batman. So, no, I would not say that. <laughs> I would not say that. Uh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. There we go. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened in 1995. And now, Ev, is, uh, take us through the synopsis. What are we doing today? Oh, absolutely. Today, we are talking about the film Johnny Mnemonic. The M is silent. Um, <laughs> and the first M. The, uh, the plot synopsis from IMDb is a data courier literally carrying a data package inside his head must deliver it before he dies from the burden or is killed by the Yakuza. Um, the burden, of course, being that it's too much data. That's that's what the burden is. Um, it was directed by Robert Longo, and this was both his debut as well as his final um, <laughs> directorial film. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, yes, we'll get into the why, I think. Um, it has nothing to do with almost falling asleep towards the end. <laughs> um, co-starring alongside Keanu, uh, is a pretty wacky ensemble, I will say. Uh, we have Dina Meyer, Ice-T, 
which I'm still not sure. completely comprehending. Uh, Takeshi Kitano, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Henry Rollins. And for the third movie in almost as many years, um, alongside Keanu, mm-hmm. Udo Kier. Is it Udo or Udo? It's Udo, right? I think it's Udo. Yeah. You yeah, can't get away. Right. They can't get away from each other these past couple of years. Right. He was in um, My Own Private Idaho, right? And yeah. then... Mm-hmm. And even Cowgirls Get the Blues. So both oh, Gus right. Van Sant movies. I don't think he had a scene with Keanu but in the second one. But yeah, he worked a lot in this period of time, Udo. He likes the weird movies. <laughs> he sure does. He sure <laughs> does. Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. Um, Whitney, I would love it if you would give us all a rundown on the critical and audience reception. Yes. So on Rotten Tomatoes, Johnny Mnemonic has a critical reception of 13% and an audience reception of 31%. Ooh, boy. Which is about what I expected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) that's That's about what I pictured in my head. So I don't really have too much commentary there. Um, we do have, we pulled a few user and critic quotes. So we have a critic quote from James Sanford of the Kalamazoo Gazette, which just says, couldn't a psychic dolphin have told them not to bother? That's so painful. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a user quote from Sam W., two and a half stars, who says, Typical 90s film that feels very dated when watching. Still has some fun parts here and there, but overall feels pretty cheap. It is definitely not one of Keanu Reeves' best, but he still does an okay job in this. Which is pretty much how I feel about the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Not to give too much away, but that's that's right on the level with how I felt about it. Right. Uh, (laughs) Two and a half stars. Uh, Yeah, okay. I'll I'll bite for two and a half. Two, maybe, out of five, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that feels about right. That feels about mm-hmm. right. I'd say two and a half is on the as on the peak. That's the ceiling. Whitney, our, our mutual friend Eric, uh, who <laughs> was almost on this episode, uh, <laughs> he told me that he. I don't know how much of this was tongue in cheek, but this is one of his favorites. Were mm-hmm. that was those were his words. I'd be curious yes. to know if that if that was. Actually well, true or I believe it is actually true because he messaged me on Monday to say, Have you recorded Johnny Mnemonic yet? And I was like, No, not yet. And he said, Okay, then I won't ask your opinion. And then I said, We're recording Wednesday, so I'll have your, an opinion for you sooner rather than later. And he said, I really love that bad, bad movie. Okay. So that was his response. So I believe it is in fact genuine that this is one of his favorites. It might be a nostalgia thing, perhaps. So I had seen this pretty close to when it came out, I I guess. Maybe I saw it a year or two later. And it turns out that I forgot most of what happens in this movie, like the dolphin Mm -hmm. thing. I forgot Mm -hmm. about that. I didn't know Ice-T was in this movie either. So Wait a minute. This this movie was forgettable for you? (laughs) Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I forgot all of the parts of this. It, I, My brain filed in the same parts where it put Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where I remembered it differently. And I was like, oh, God, what happened when I returned to it? <laughs> so that's that's where yes. that goes. So I guess, well, I mean, we're getting into it. So did, did this movie work for either of you? I, I mean, we can probably just go through this 
pretty quickly, I imagine. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I what guess happened? pacing was fine. Plot could have been cool, especially just because, like, I'm uh, definitely, definitely a nerd, and I own that. And, like, this was an ultra nerdy movie. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't know. I I actually love the idea of... And we're we're honestly like we're kind of in that place now. Like Elon Musk is dreaming this stuff up right now. With um, um, what is that that he's working on? Totally blanking. But the the whole idea that a computer would be in your mind. Yeah. This is more about like basically like a solid state drive in your mind. But um, <laughs> same idea. Sure. Uh, that's cool. That's neat. And the fact that you could smuggle data by doing that is is kind of brilliant. Um, but uh the rest it just it, uh, it was just not well done so <laughs> no not a good movie but could have been in fact i'd love it if somebody did a reboot cuz this this could be cool could yeah. be a cool movie all right all right whitney what do you got so this movie um i somehow simultaneously liked it more than i thought i would and didn't like it nearly as much as i thought i would yeah. Um, both of those things exist at the same time. It's Schrodinger's movie. <laughs> both things are true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think the pacing is a little bit too... And I'm, I get it. You're in a sci-fi world. It's an action-y thing. You got to get the exposition out right away. But yeah. they started the movie super slow with the exposition scene of this is everything you need to know to, to be part of the story. And then they would <laughs> kept stopping the movie for exposition. And it was never like diegetic to the script it was never coming out as you were going everyone stopped what they were doing for exposition and then they kept going so yeah that bothered me quite a bit because i think that if you had done it in a more like shooting off information as you go kind of a thing it would have it would have worked better for me um, there was some some of the future stuff and some of the set design and some of the some of the look and the feel of the the like near future stuff that they did was pretty cool. And yeah. um, I do think that they I, I like some of the ideas of it quite a bit, but I definitely think that they like went too far into the wacky in some parts and then too far into the gritty in some parts. And they needed to choose more of an identity for it to really feel like it was going because hmm. it really just didn't feel like it moved for me. Cool. There's parts about it that I did really like though. I, there were parts where I was having fun when I was watching it. And mo mainly those were the times when it was an exposition and stuff was happening. I did think that, and I have this problem all the time. This is not the first time I've had this complaint, but it's not really um, a good story in that, Stuff happens to Johnny. Johnny is never really the initiator of any events in this movie. Right. He's like, the reason he gets away is the bodyguard. The, the reason he goes from one place to another is, is another person. The reason he goes over here is another person. And I, I realize that part of it is, part of the story is him being a pawn in other people's games. And, you know, he's going to die one way or the other and blah, blah, blah. But I think that... To have it be a good story that doesn't have those parts that drag, he needed to have more of his own decision making and like be driving the story forward instead of pulled along with it. So yeah, neat. no, that makes a lot of sense. Also, this movie was so dark. I kept, I turned, <laughs> I went to turn the brightness up on my TV three times when it was already on max brightness when I started. Yeah, um, it was not even just like 
you know, gritty Batman dark. It was like muddy grays, like not developed properly dark. And I'm sure they did that on purpose. It was yeah. an artistic choice, but I can't really get behind it because I was like, what is happening in this movie? I can't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> they could have been covering up some sins too, you know, like truly to yeah. hide some stuff. It is a, uh, it is like super fun to see how movies try to depict futures, especially when you're very close to the future they're trying to depict. We are two years away from this supposed future of this which movie. Is, <laughs> right, which is like the only small reason I might tell people to watch this, just because it's cool to see what people in 95 thought 2021 would be. Yeah. And to their credit, there's a little bit there. Like the the data piece and privacy and... That's like pretty relevant. Yeah. The um, VR, the VR stuff. If you look at a current day definitely. VR headset with the touch controllers, it looks almost identical to yeah, the setup that, he was wearing. That got pretty close. I, I think it's interesting specifically movies, sci-fi movies that were made at this time, the same time as Johnny Mnemonic, because all of them had very specific ideas. Technology had changed so much in the last 20 years Yeah, that in the 90s, they were like, the next 20 years are going to be buck wild. And then they ended up yep. really not being that buck wild. Like we got sure. a lot faster with stuff and we got a lot smaller with stuff. But things kind of stopped as far as, you know, medical progress didn't get nearly as far. Like there's not all these mods, which shows up a lot in sci-fi. Like that's right. the next thing we start doing is is drugs and implants and whatever. And we're a little bit there, but we're not nearly where people thought we would be at this time. No. And this the storage piece was funny. Oh, my God. You know, like terabytes are common for us now. Yeah. And, you know, these guys, even something like a petabyte isn't necessarily in households yet, but it's out there. And um, it was funny that they were just like, man, we got to think of some kind of big number. Right. What's the biggest amount of data (laughs) that we could conceive of? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's 300 some gig, which in 95 probably, you know, filled a closet. Sure. And so these guys were like, there's no way that would fit in your head. <laughs> and, and so that's cool, right? Because you think about like SD cards now. Yeah. And even micro SD. And it, it's just wild. To Whitney's point, like exponentially, we decrease the size of things like storage. Um, and it's just proof positive that nobody ever imagined it could be so small with such a large amount of space back then. It's cool. Yeah, you would you would not have to trade your entire childhood for, you know, a terabyte today. Maybe just a very small fraction of it. Very small. Yeah. It's not it's barely anything. Really. I mean, you might keep it all. Yeah, you could. Yeah. It could just be a yeah. That's it. We don't have to install it in your brain, turns out. We could do it further but down. But the issue is, like, you'd always get screwed up. Like, which way is up with those damn SD cards? Like, does it... <laughs> it's just like, I got to get a USB-C <laughs> up in here. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh. I think you two covered this beautifully. My thesis about this movie is it was made 30 years too early. Mm. I think this movie, like Evan said, if you made this today, there are some themes in here that are really on point for today, right? Think about that. You trade a a piece of your brain for what equates to some degree of like photographic memory. That's a really cool concept. There's this disease that has manifested because all of these devices we surround ourselves 
with our throwing off radiation. That sounds like my house right now, really. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a great idea. I, I, that's a very Black Mirror-y sort of an idea. Yes, and that's great. And then, we again, we don't have to prove that this idea works, but a world generated inside of a computer that we all connect to. Like, the parallels to The Matrix in this movie are insanely close. And and I, I, it's unbelievable to me that this, that this movie and The Matrix are just four years apart. Because if you showed me these two things side by side and I had no knowledge of this, and you were like, how far apart were these movies made? I would say 15 years, <laughs> like easily. Mm-hmm. The VR, I, I hate that the climax of this movie takes place kind of in this weird VR sim. Right, yeah. You know, I feel like this movie shows that the director had not done a movie before this one. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's why he didn't do one after this, because it's like, it's very inconsistent for me. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes Keanu is crushing it. And then other times I'm like, what was that line delivery? I feel (laughs) like like that about everything in the movie. Yeah. Like every single thing hit at one point. But then didn't hit like immediately in the next scene or whatever. Yeah. The the yeah. acting, the cinematography, the set dressing, there was moments of brilliance in right. every area of the movie where it was very funny or it was very insightful or it was very forward thinking or whatever, but then it was like gone again. And then it was just wacky. I'd be yeah. I'd be super curious. So this writer William Gibson seems like his work has like inspired a lot of sci-fi. So I got vibes of like this movie gave me vibes of a lot of other movies that I've seen. So like you have I don't know if either of you saw Lawnmower Man. That is that like there are some VR sequences in that movie that are very similar to this, right? Mm-hmm. We had I got Mad Max vibes from like the low techs, right? That's kind of how I felt about them. I think the comparison to Blade Runner is pretty spot on. Like, that's the vibe they were going for. And that's just because Blade Runner did it first and maybe best still even. And then obviously The Matrix. So, like, there's, like, a lot of... I'm seeing all these really cool things. I'm like, if they just had a director who did a few more movies, this would have came together and been really something special, I think. And, And quite ahead of its time. As it turns out, it's like a two and a half out of five stars, maybe two stars. <laughs> so a, a, a quick re- return to the thing I was trying to think of before. It's called Neuralink, and, and you should look it up. This is, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, this is Elon Musk's newest brainchild, no pun intended. But the whole idea was to put a device in your brain that could connect to basically interface with at broadband speeds um, with other external devices. So I think the idea is that you could think of a of an issue, something like that you don't know, what you can't define, and that device would instantly go out to the internet and find that answer for you without you needing to input that into any device, right? Like it, it would be just like thinking. So that it's a little insane. That shit is bananas. It's really, but yeah. It's actually happening right now. It's not happening, but it's very close. Yeah. And, um, it's an interesting thought. Something that captured my attention with this is that 
you know, I follow Elon pretty closely, but his thought was we actually went backwards a little bit in how we're able to understand things and, and create knowledge, right? We used to type on a keyboard and get our answers. And then we all moved into phones. So we went from 10 fingers to two to try and figure out our answers with ultimately kind of slowed us down. Hmm. And so now he's like, we need to take a leap forward into not needing to do any input at all um, <laughs> and instead just kind of think it and it'll happen. So obviously huge applica implications to that kind of device, but um, that was where my mind went first was this Neuralink uh, company that's out there right now. It's insane. I can never tell if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I just don't have, we uh, just yeah. don't have the information yet. Blind faith is, is where I'm at. <laughs> that's, that'll get you where you need to go. That's never that's never gone horribly wrong yeah. historically. <laughs> no, no, never. Perfect. Okay. Do we have anything else? Do we want to talk about Johnny Mnemonic? Yeah, I think it. I think it's pretty cool. It does. It does a lot right. It does a lot wrong. I can't believe that the resolution to this movie rests on a. A dolphin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I feel like there were parts of this movie that I was, like, really plugged into it. I was really into it. I was there. And then immediately I would, like, completely be drifting and it would be so hard for me to get back into it. And it that just mm -hmm. kept, it was just a fight between those two things the whole time I was watching it. So I can't necessarily say that, that I liked it, but I also didn't not like it because there were parts of it that yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, it just was too inconsistent for me. Yeah, I'm the same. Exactly the same. Yeah, that feels about right. You, ex you expect a little bit of that in a movie, right? But this was, this was like every other scene. It was <laughs> yeah. like you were in and out. So it was just too much. I'll be super curious to see where this lands on both of your lists and then at the end whether we ultimately what we feel about it. Where we'll where we'll all be on it. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'll be cool. That's that's enough for you to stick around to the end. Listeners. <laughs> listeners. All right. <laughs> I don't know why I said that twice. I'm gonna keep it in. Listeners. 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 All right. Is it is it time? It's time. It's oh, I'm ready. For season two of the world's favorite game. <laughs> season two! Bob Quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. That gets me hype. We're going to do a bonus video of Evan's uh, pantomiming of those, I think, for the <laughs> Patreon subscribers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you can see Evan reenact these classic Keanu moments in history. Complete with green screen. <laughs> we'll superimpose you. It'll be great. Deep fake. Oh, there's been quite a few of those recently. Very yeah, disturbing. Yeah, that's going around. Very disturbing. Pop quiz. <laughs> so is our quizzo show on this little podcast of ours where the host, in this case, myself, will be asking Evan and Whitney each three questions with one bonus question this time. If either of them gets it wrong, the other one has a chance to steal, and we tally up the points for what amounts to uh, speed on Laserdisc. So a movie <laughs> better than Die Hard in the best possible format to watch it. Mm -hmm. So that's those are <laughs> by, the stakes. By a, a, that's a pretty large majority consensus that speed is better than die mm -hmm. hard yeah it was mm -hmm. it was not insignificant mm -hmm. so because whitney was our host last week she will be going first here and uh, are you ready whitney i am ready 
At one point, Johnny's brain implant is detected by a security scanner and is reported as a device for treating this disorder that Keanu has in real life. Dyslexia. Oh, oh no, I didn't even read the answer! Jeez. <laughs> I don't even ready. need the multiple choice. Evan. She's ready. You better you better be ready to do some stuff well, here. Well, that one that one particularly stood out to me because my sister has dyslexia. And oh, so I thought that good. was interesting. So yeah. I, I didn't like I didn't like watch this movie four times in anticipation or anything. I didn't study up. <laughs> uh, I just... I'm thinking that you might have now. You didn't have to be that specific about the number of Yikes. times. All right, Ev, here we go. Here we go. Mm. All right. The final budget of this movie ended up being almost $30 million, mainly because Sony wanted to make an internet movie. What amount? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Amazing. What amount did director Robert Longo and writer William Gibson originally seek for financing? All right. Three three answers here. 3.5 million, 1.5 million, or 9.5 million. It ended up being 30? Yes. Holy hell. <laughs> Sony got their grubby little mitts on it, and uh, the rest is history. I wish I could have been in that meeting where some guy was like, guys. Triple it. We, <laughs> no, like, we need to make Quadruple an, internet, it. an internet movie. The internet might be a thing that takes off. We should make yeah. a movie about it. You're hired. Okay. Three and a half, one and a half, or nine? Correct. Uh, I'm going to say three and a half. Of course it is. <laughs> Whitney, would you like to try to steal this one? One and a half? Yeah, wow. wow. They gave these guys almost 30 times what they asked for. And wow. That's a lot of money. I don't understand where all that money went, to be perfectly honest with you. It's all the that effects. That big TV tower. <laughs> but that was a real dolphin. They had to cybernetically enhance a real dolphin. It was dolphin. definitely not a real dolphin. <laughs> it was far from Jonesy. a real dolphin. I wrote in my notes, is this supposed to be a dolphin when yeah. we first saw it? I was like, is that they don't what even this really is really supposed it. to be? They don't. But they, they do the whole fish mammal, mammal thing. Yeah. Right. Well, come on. All right. Fair enough. Anyway. one point five million. The TV tower is my answer can, <laughs> where yes. all that money went. Can, can you imagine? That's that Rob Longo and G Gibson were like, we think we could do it for 1.5. And Sony's like, do it for 30. All right. But uh, that's. That's annoying because it it didn't look that good. I feel like a lot of that, I feel like that's the reason why Longo stopped directing movies because this was his first exposure to working for a studio. And it was, I have nothing to back that up, but I can imagine you go into your job. Uh, this might be a little bit different, but they're, you know, they're, you're like, oh, here's my salary. Uh, and they're like, well, we're going to give you, for that salary, you have to do 30 times more work, but we'll pay you 30 times more as well. And you're like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I don't think I want that. Right. <laughs> Here's your job. You're also the CEO. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, yeah. okay. Anyway. Well, that's crazy. Whitney, are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. And Eric, if you're listening, I hope I got this right. So please, hopefully. The character of Jane was named Molly Millions in the original story and had what special power 
that didn't make it into the movie? Three answers here. Fully metal arms, laser vision, or razor blade fingernails? <laughs> huh. Well, I, I have not read the source material, so this is definitely right. one that I'm going to be guessing on. I had assumed that neither of you read the source material. Thank I God. I did really like that that um, sort of like laser lasso thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so cool. laser vision might be part of it. I really like the idea of razor blade fingernails, though. So that's going to be my answer, I think. Retractable razor blade fingernails. Like like a little lady wolverine. <sighs> yes, true. It is that is exactly what I thought. I was like, this is some weapon X shit, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Evan. Oh my god. Are you ready? Yes. I think I think this one I all right. I'm praying. I'm praying for you, buddy. Here we go. Thanks, man. Val Kilmer was set to star in this film. But ended up in a heist film released this same year in a role that Keanu Reeves turned down. What is the name of the movie? I will not be giving you multiple choice. Everything you need to know is in the question. (laughs) Val Kilmer was gonna probably be Dolph Lundgren, right? No, he was going to be Keanu's, he was going to be Johnny Mnemonic. What I'm saying is they swapped roles. I want to know um, what the other movie was that Keanu turned down. What was the other movie that Keanu... Here's the hint. It's in the question. It is a heist film. Um, I'm trying to think what else he was in in that year. Wasn't he actually in one of the ones in our list? He was in Batman. That's true. He also was in Batman this year. Yeah, I literally can't think of another movie Val Kilmer's. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I like heist film. <laughs> then you like this movie. <laughs> and hopefully you've seen it. 95. Oh, uh, Heat? That's the one! Oh mm. my god. <laughs> I have not seen that. I never would have oh. gotten yes. there. So. Michael Mann, De Niro, Pacino. Powerhouse oh, performances. So good. Yeah. Whitney, I'm surprised you haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. It's on wow. Plex. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh Keanu God, was going to play Val Kilmer's role, and then Val Kilmer was going to be Johnny Mnemonic, in addition to Batman this very year. Uh, which so they were just going to swap? Yeah, well, Keanu Reeves turned down heat for this. Oh, my God. Terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's okay. He eventually does get to work with Pacino. So it's all That's good. That's true. It's all That's good. True. I don't know if he worked with De Niro, though. I don't think so. But yeah, mm. suffice to say, pretty cool. All right. Uh, it's Whitney's turn, right? Yes. Yes. This is the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I hope <laughs> you get it right. <laughs> Early in the development of this film, this singer-songwriter was in talks to both supervise the soundtrack and play the role of Street Preacher. Was it Bono, Sting, or Steven Tyler? Oh my gosh. Yes, one of these <laughs> is the answer, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I'm dying. 
I'm gonna say Steven Tyler. Okay. Evan, you got a 50-50 shot on this one. That's so weird because Street Preacher was meant to be depicted as this giant, and I don't picture Bono or Sting yeah, as giants. None of those guys are big guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Sting for the accent. It's Bono. Oh, <laughs> can you believe Bono in this freaking role? I I don't want to I don't want to think about that movie. Wow, that would be weird. Right. It's strange, but true. I think they axed that idea pretty quickly. But again, I think that, you know, supervised the soundtrack. Okay. Even though none of this music really sounds like anything that U2 does. Uh, all right. You want to supervise? That's fine. Uh, but then also play Street Preacher. Pretty weird. Yeah. Pretty yeah. weird. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Sony made no. the right choice uh, on that one. Weird. That's all I'm saying. I like it. <laughs> all right. Evan, here we go. Yes. This is the first theatrical credit for which of the following actors? Ice-T, Henry Rollins, or Dina Meyer? Theatrical. Yeah, it's important. I put words in there specifically. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't say. Um, <laughs> Ice-T, Dina Meyer, who is the last one? Henry Rollins. He played the gentleman named Spider. Um, I'm going to go with Dina Meyer. You did yes. it! Dina yes. Meyer, you might know her from Starship Troopers later on. She no way. Kind of a, yeah, she kind of ha- she was one of the badass Marines. She was great in Starship Troopers, a vastly underrated film. Go back and rewatch it if you haven't seen it in 20 years. Or 30, I guess 30 at this point. It's crazy. I saw it for the first time like four years ago. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yes, I All did. Right. It's. It was at the time people took it at face value. It's more of a. It's, it's a. You know, it's like Josie and the Pussycat. Yes. Well done. You're very apt at this. That should be your job. <laughs> Just describing <laughs> things as they relate to other things. You've done that. Yeah. You've blown my mind multiple times on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you are good at that. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. We have a bonus question, and you could both get this right if you both choose the right answer. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. This is worth oh. two points, and it's a multiple choice. Right? So just take okay, all the time so, you need. So you don't tell us until we both answer. Correct, yeah. It's not first answer. It. If you both decide on the same answer, you get it. I like that. Johnny takes a Concorde jet from Beijing to Newark in the year 2021. But in our realistic timeline, the Concorde jet was actually retired. What year was it retired? 1999, 2005, or 2003? Famous jet. Uh, <laughs> 2003. I also agree. It's 2003, I think. You both got two bonus points. Congratulations. Yes. Nice. Way nice. to go, Whitney, even though I got yes. it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, 95 is way too early because I remember jokes yeah. about the Concord being after 95 in TV shows and movies right. and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. 2005 seemed too late because I was, I was already in film school and I feel like that was too late. So Perfect. You both yep. did it. So hold on. I wasn't keeping track in real time. Let's see. Whitney got that one. Whitney got that one. That's two for Whitney. Uh, Let's see. And then she got the uh, bonus two points. That's four for Whitney. And then Evan got that one and two bonus points. So he got three. There you go. 
Crushed it. Uh, the points are as such for Pop Quiz Asshole. Whitney has 35. Evan has 16. And I have yes. 20. So we're making that comeback. Yeah. That's America's, the world's, the, the universe's perhaps even favorite game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how far reaching this podcast goes. It's but. an interstellar favorite. <laughs> Oh my god! Nice. It keeps escalating. So, uh, are we ready to walk through the 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 plot here of Johnny Mnemonic? I've tried to make this as painless as possible. Let's Please. do it. Let's break it down. Be, All right. be brisk. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to try to set this up in a different way than I I have traditionally done these recaps. Hopefully, it makes Ooh. it a little bit easier on everybody. The year is 2021. I'm not going to do it that way. Johnny is what they call a mnemonic courier, okay? He's got a data storage device implanted in his brain, which lets him carry information. It's too sensitive to transfer legally, let's say. This makes him a shit ton of money doing this job. He's basically like smuggling data. Yeah. But like Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet, it comes at a cost. Oh, God. You don't like that analogy? (laughs) Because the rest of my review, I might as well stop now if you don't like (laughs) (laughs) Please continue. All right, all right, all right. The cost is that Johnny has lost all of his childhood memories in exchange for this superpower, kind of, that he has. And for some reason, he wants these memories back. And it's never really made clear why. Uh, Do either of you have any insight there? I I don't think they really touch on why. No, they don't really touch on why because he even says at one point that, like, maybe their memories... He didn't want to keep. Yeah. I so didn't why get it. does he want them back? Because I actually wrote that down. I was like, why does he want these memories back so bad? If at one point in the movie he says there were movies I did or memories I didn't want to keep. Right. Well, he just has to know. <laughs> does he though? It didn't. They didn't actually seem terrible, right? Because we, we get a glimpse. I'll save it for when we get to that point. All right. Okay. We're in a hotel room with Johnny. After he had a night with what we can assume is a $10,000 hooker, based on something he says later in the movie. He video calls a man named Ralphie, and he has to take one more job to cover the cost of removing this implant to get his childhood memories back. So Johnny is off to Beijing in the midst of what appears to be a, a riot. This is, this is pretty wild. Johnny is told that the information uh, from this character, Ralphie, exceeds his current memory capacity which is 80 gigabytes. So he <laughs> plugs this device into his head that somehow doubles the capacity. <laughs> and I didn't know if this was like compression or maybe he just went to like <laughs> download more ram.com or something like that, but it was kind of fun, right? He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Pied Piper. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is Pied Piper. That is exactly <laughs> what it does. Lossless compression. That's, yeah. That's what it is. It's a Silicon Valley reference for anyone not uh, in the know. You should watch that show. It's fun. It's great. He meets with a client, which is a pretty eclectic group of, um, I want to say scientists, right? They have that kind mm-hmm. of scientist-y look about them. Yeah, and yeah but like bad scientists. <laughs> well, not evil scientists. They're just maybe bad like at their job. Is that what you're suggesting? I got an evil vibe before I knew what was happening. Oh, okay. oh I, I definitely did not. I got an incompetent oh. vibe from those yes, guys. Yes, I got an incompetent vibe. It, it it was definitely like a who are all these hapless nerds kind of a vibe. All right. Mm. See? Yeah, See? We all get more accurate. <laughs> well, in retrospect, 
yes. I mean, okay, it doesn't matter. He meets these people, and they want him to carry, wait for it, wait for it, 320 gigabytes of information. It's double his double. Mm -hmm. Johnny, the cocksure badass that he is, he says, no, it's no problem. I got it. More than enough. More than enough. Can we stop right there? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Is there meant to be, like, spillover into his normal brain? Yeah, that's exactly... Right. Capacity is the is capacity is capacity. You can't go beyond that. You well, it because it's a and it was disgusting every time they said it, they called it a wet implant. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. Um because it's like hooked into his brain chemistry, I imagine, right? We don't really get this the nitty gritties sure. here. I believe that the the excess data goes into your gray matter and that is what starts causing all of the problems because yeah they called it like seepage throughout the movie and they made it seem like that was increasing yeah i think so that sounds about wouldn't. right because you'd have 160 in the in the john and then you'd have 160 in your gray matter done there's no oh, whatever I think the gray matter, the data in your gray matter is like a poison almost. I don't know for sure. I'm I'm not the writer, but that's just, that's how I was able to square that circle. I don't know. That's just me. Okay, go. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) they tell him what we just said. If you overload, you know, it'll leak into your brain. It'll kill you, right? But it's okay if you remove it in a few days. Like, you can totally carry way more than you're capable of. As long as you do get rid of it in a few days. So Johnny goes through with the upload. And this was the weirdest thing. For encryption, they used three random television images, like three frames of television to encrypt it. Uh, I thought it was cool, but weird, right? So Johnny yeah. can't access the own data, the, the data that's in his own head. I totally think that the if you've got people who are couriers transmitting like sensitive information totally makes sense to me that they can't access their own stuff but it does not make sense to choose three random images because that's like (laughs) it needs someone needs to be able to to use it you know what i mean like if something goes down like this whole thing we just watched yep the person who paid for this expensive mode of transport has to be able to like get it yeah yeah, but that's like the whole point of encryption, right? Is like you it it's like Bitcoin. Like if you lose your code, that's it. Like you you done you done messed up. And <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also kind of like primitive encryption in this movie. But I don't know, I kind of I kind of bought it. It was like that's cool. It it seemed like they could pick whatever they wanted and they were just like let's do the TV. The suggestion, yeah, I think Johnny suggested it. He's like, "I don't I, so I don't know. Just press the button on the remote." towards the end and those will be your keys or whatever and it was it was fine what was less believable is that in 2021 they were faxing that information to Mm -hmm. where it needed to go and there are a couple other you know uh what do we call those where they're out of time oh it's gonna bother me i'll figure it out by the end final countdown final (laughs) final countdowns correct yeah yeah yeah. but apparently fax is still like one of the most secure forms of Data transfer. I would need some data for that, but to back that up. But, you know, we'll see. I'll find it. All right. Please, by the end of the podcast, <laughs> please give me the give me the numbers. You got it. Run the no, numbers. like a lot of, it's still really prevalent in like 
doctors' offices and and in the medical world, not be not just because it's antiquated, but because it's super secure. It's unbreakable. I understand. <laughs> I don't know about that. But right. It's very secure. All right. So, just as the scientists are about to send these keys via fax to Newark, New Jersey, we've we get that specific location. They uh, the yakuza show up, which is great. I love when the yakuza show up in any movie. Really, I <laughs> really, really do. I'm like, things just get interesting. Johnny manages to escape in a pretty interesting disguise, I think, and he has, after a scuffle. He manages to get one third of the key. So he gets one of the images out of three mm -hmm. for the uh, mm -hmm. the key. Now we're in Newark. Smash cut to Newark. And it's accompanied Newark. by a bitchin'. I mean <laughs> bitchin'. Heavy Winnie, metal soundtrack, it. right? When he's like, uh, Newark. We need to pause on that. <laughs> yeah, no, we really do need to Newark. pause on Newark. <laughs> the fact that the free city of Newark is yeah. like where all of the no technology people go is hysterical to me sure yeah the fact that newark new jersey is this big hub city of like all of the rebels and all of the whatever the people with like in the underbelly with no money the fact that that's newark is hilarious it's great it was definitely vancouver i think probably <laughs> but they, i mean right. probably yeah, yeah. everything they everything roughed it is, up they roughed it up it's okay like they when they went to that train station I yeah. did not recognize that train station, and I was trying so hard to figure out. I was like, is this yeah. supposed to be Grand Central in New York? Is this supposed to be in Newark? I it, I mean, they've got the old clock, and it looks like a, a Grand yeah. Central station, but it does not look like anything I'm familiar with in New York or New Jersey. And I'm assuming that it's because they shot it in Canada or something. <laughs> right. You're like, God damn it. All right. So that's where we arrive. Heavy metal music lets you know this place is rough. There's a couple barrel fires, right? You're like, oh, okay. It's a bad neighborhood. Right out of the gate, Johnny begins. He's being pursued by Pharmacom. Great name, which mm -hmm. is your standard fare future evil corporation. Yep. The, the executive of this company is a man named Takahashi. And he is the person who hired the Yakuza to get this data back. We find out this data was stolen by these scientists. We're not super sure what it is yet, but they stole it and they need to smuggle it back. Johnny then talks to Ralphie again about how he thinks this deal is all wrong. Things are going wrong left and right. Ralphie says he knows a guy who can get the data out, tells him to meet these guys in a totally safe, legit, abandoned warehouse on the waterfront. <laughs> Surprising mm -hmm. no one, this is a double cross. Mm -hmm. Johnny, his little ingenuity, he, he kind of, he feels it. He knows, he knows what's going on here. He gets out of this situation with a little help from a man named J-Bone, or as I will lovingly refer to him for the rest of this film, Hobo Batman. <laughs> J-Bone is the leader of a resistance group called the Low Tex. L-O-T-E-K-S. Mm. And these are people who oppose technology in some form or fashion. All of these really weird augments people are doing to their bodies, they're all, they're against this. They're the resistance. Mm -hmm. Johnny then finds Ralphie at a nightclub, threatens to kill him, but we soon learn that Ralphie is in the Yakuza's back pocket. He gains the upper hand in this scuffle because he's got technolog uh, technologically enhanced bodyguards to protect him. And they get ready to kill Johnny. They're going to remove his head and put it on ice so that all the data stays intact. It's just easier that way. <laughs> Jane, 
who we saw earlier, she's also a cybernetically enhanced bodyguard. And Ralphie just scorned her just moments before this all happened. She saves Johnny. She sees all this stuff going down. She saves him. Ralphie is killed in a pretty spectacular fashion by this laser whip wielded by one of the Yakuza guys. (laughs) It was pretty great. I was like, oh, my God. That was very violent. It was also... Really close. Like, the shot of it was really tight. It, it, was, it was weird. To truly escape pursuing the Yakuza, Jane and Johnny once again seek the help of Hobo Batman, who has, like, a score of heavily armored low-techs on every corner in this city. It's crazy. The Yakuza, led by Shinji, they want to take this data and claim it for themselves, which we find out. Takahashi also discovers this. And then he proceeds to hire the greatest villain ever printed to film, (laughs) Ivan Drago. (laughs) I mean, Carl, the street preacher. It's great. I have to say, I think this might be the best acting I've ever seen Dolph Lundgren do. It is. It really is. He's actually one of the better parts of this movie for me. Mm -hmm. Jane takes Johnny to meet Spider, a doctor by day and the singer for Black Flag by night. Spider reveals that he and his group of doctors were actually, the re- th- these were the people who were supposed to receive this data. So it was very serendipitous that they met. And what, it, what the data is, is the cure for NAS, which is nerve attenuation syndrome. A lot of people have this. They call it uh, the black shakes. Is that what they call it? I think, I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, something, yeah. something interesting like that. Equivalent to a seizure. Pretty much. Not equivalent, but a little bit like it. Yeah. And it, it it's fatal. It's it just, it's like a degenerative situation and you eventually die from it, which is pretty serious business. Mm-hmm. Spider claims uh, Pharmacom discovered the cure. It's one of these situations. These guys had the cure, but uh, instead of release a cure, they make more money with treatment. So they're not going to ever release it. They're just going to continue to treat people and make all the money. They're evil. They're terrible people. Without the encryption key, Spider can't help. He can't get this data out of his head. So he suggests that Johnny go see this person named Jones, who is a master of code breaking at the low-tech base run by Hobo Batman. Carl, the street preacher. This is great. I hope you two love this. He makes one of the most unintentionally hilarious entrances I've ever seen. (laughs) He announces his arrival by rolling the corpse of like a dead doctor through the door, (laughs) and then runs in behind him (laughs) Mm -hmm. and immediately starts fighting everybody, right? Spider, like, creates enough of a diversion where Johnny and Jane escape, but then he's killed, right? So which is sad. We kind of like that guy. He was actually pretty good. Henry Rollins was actually really good to me in this this role also. Yeah, I liked him. He was one of the most, um, he was, his times were always times when I was glued to the screen. Versus yep. struggling to pay attention. He's like a he's like kind of like an imposing figure too, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. like how he is um, in in real life. He's 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 like a buff guy. He had the glasses on. You're like, oh, that's really Henry Rollins. They didn't like give him a. <laughs> that's not like a yeah. costume. Played himself, <laughs> right? I was like, oh, this guy for realsies. All right, cool. So we get to heaven, which is the the low tech base of operations, right? This is what Ice-T, he runs this place. And essentially what it is, is it's a bridge. I'm not sure which bridge. It looks like one that goes in, one that would go into New York, right? And uh, it's all 
busted up. So they basically live on the central part of this bridge. Mm-hmm. Johnny and Jane get a less than warm welcome. Uh, a fiery car is dropped on them. or <laughs> pretty, mm-hmm. pretty close to them. Yeah, a little beetle. Johnny launches into one of the greatest tantrums ever. And this is my only is this is my only piece of audio for you two. This scene is incredible. Yes. He crushed it. <laughs> so good. And this is the most relatable rant I've ever heard in a movie, I think. Okay. Enjoy. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know? All my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner. Looking out for number one, no complications. Now suddenly, I'm responsible for the entire fucking world. And everybody and his mother is trying to kill me if, if my head doesn't blow up first. Maybe it's not just about you anymore. Listen. You listen to me. You see that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth! I've had it with them! I've had it with you! I've had it with all this! I want room service! I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. And there it is. That's so good. It was so good. Really good. So good. He yells that I want room service into the abyss, essentially. <laughs> it was the framing of that scene, everything about it. Really, really well done. Not yeah. being facetious. Yeah, no, not uh, not facetiously at all. Like completely, genuinely, that was, in my opinion, the best scene of the movie. There you go. Like, like we said, everything else was sort of on and off, and even the acting performances. Like Keanu hit it, and then he missed it, and then he hit it, and then he missed it. Like everyone across the board. But that is that scene was just nailed. The the way where it was, and like the tension of the movie how he delivered it, the way it was shot. Everything is just like, I really, really felt for that guy in that moment. And he was saying things that any person would relate to in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not $10,000 hookers usually, but. (laughs) Right. But, you know, just this, how did I end up here? This is, I'm so frustrated with this. It just worked perfect for me. I loved that scene. That was one of the moments where I think he just took the script. He was like, here's what I'm going to do. I don't know what the director had in mind. Here's my take on this. Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get up into heaven. Eventually, they, you know, they lower down this kind of elevator situation and they bring them up. And we discover that Jones is a dolphin who was once used by the Navy for his decryption capabilities. Mm-hmm. This is, there are a couple things here. One, dad joke. I feel like there's a Navy SEAL joke in here somewhere. There was a missed opportunity mm. for sure. Mm. However, mm-hmm. what are we thinking about this this creature in the tank? Terrible. <laughs> no, you didn't you didn't appreciate it? He was like wearing a helmet and he had and like a camera. And a camera. And he could control he had red eyes. Why do you have red beady eyes? Because <laughs> he's a navy dolphin. 
Oh, so strange. I guess like back then there was this idea. I remember reading about this, that like the Russians or something were training marine mammals to find submarines and stuff. And I just feel like that's exactly where this came from. It's <laughs> just lifted from history. Yeah. I just know that without leaving my bedroom, I could make as realistic a fake dolphin. <laughs> yeah. No supplies, no That's anything. So yeah. yeah. Just right here now, I could recreate that dolphin because it was so, so badly put together. Cut to a montage of Whitney grabbing like construction paper and a glue stick. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I can grab this over here, hairspray, mm -hmm. hold it all together. Right here, there's uh, the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program. It was the study of military use of marine mammals, principally bottlenose dolphins and California sea lions, trains the animals to perform tasks such as ship and harbor protection, mine detection and clearance, and more. So it totally was like a thing that somebody heard about, and they were like, yeah, you just, you just catch one of these. This is Jonesy. And hook them up to whatever, and it, it'll work. Not to mention, the thing is in a tank that's like six inches on either side. Bigger oh, that, than that it also, is. Just, from, just from like a longevity perspective, not even from a taking care of the clearly sentient beings that you're working with, <laughs> right. but even just from a we need to keep this sentient being alive for our purposes as long as possible. Yeah. situation that tank was not <laughs> realistic at all no and i realize we're talking about like a code-breaking dolphin so i realize that there's like only so much realism but also yeah come on there were literally like six inches of clearance on any side of this dolphin he could not actually move give him a pool it was so bad it was legitimately like a dunk tank <laughs> it was yes. like oh we got it it really didn't even look like a dolphin it really didn't. It didn't. It's tough. Dolphin technology has come a long way since 1995. So you'd be, you'd be I mean, shocked. you have you have 30 million dollars, and you can't <laughs> make a puppet that looks like a damn dolphin. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't their focus. Oh they probably ran out of money God. by this point. They were like, "Oh, clearly." Like Whitney said, they spent too much money on the TV tower. And I will say, because we're at this point now, this is when we also see the TV tower for the first time. Uh, yeah. I did make fun of the TV tower for how much money it cost them. Um, but it was <laughs> my favorite set piece of the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It looked uh, great. This is where everything went. And again, I got super strong kind of matrixy vibes like on one of the ships or whatever, like the very yep. steel metal kind of old school electronics in place. I was like, oh, this is really nice. This is well done. Well done. Jones, we get into this thing that's kind of like the Matrix. Keanu puts on this headset. Johnny, I'm, I'm not calling him. His, Johnny puts on this headset. And Jones attempts to discover these encryption keys so that we can offload the data. It turns out you actually can't take the data out of the courier until it's decrypted, right? This yep. is the problem we've had the whole time. It's not mm -hmm. lack of space somewhere else. It's that it's locked in his brain. Mm -hmm. But at this point, while they're trying to do this operation, the, this base, Heaven, is attacked by everyone at the same exact time. So the yeah, Yakuza... Like everybody. <laughs> the Yakuza shows up, the people from Pharmacom show up, and Street, and Street Preacher. They all show up at the exact same time. Yeah. So 
suffice it to say, we won't go into all the details. Suffice it to say, Johnny, Jane, and J-Bone, the rest of the low techs, they fight them all off, right? They end up winning. It was, it's, it's fine. No, it's not. Along the way, I want to, I, <laughs> I want to note the boss battles along the way, though, because they were pretty interesting. So Shinji, he was the leader of the Yakuza. He dies by his own laser whip, which was really mm-hmm. uh, I neat, liked that. Yeah, that was great. It was like his thumb. It was like such an interesting, I was like, he's wearing this thumb ring kind of situation. And that's where the <laughs> laser whip was. I didn't get that yeah, the whole like, movie until the end. <laughs> when you're a kid, it, like at Halloween, you get those like witches finger caps that you put on. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> exactly what this was. But inside it was a laser whip. <laughs> it's yeah. a cool weapon. It's a cool mm-hmm. weapon. It worked. They used it. Quite a bit throughout the movie. It worked really well every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how he that's how he dies. Street Preacher goes out in glorious fashion. Essentially, there's like a huge fight. Some electrical wires get uh, pulled out of the wall because he's like a superhuman being. And the way he dies is electrocute. He basically completes the circuit and is fried. Yes. Jonesy. Into flames. Jonesy mm-hmm. helps. He's able to direct these sonic wave things that like mm-hmm. keep you <laughs> locked in place. It's never mm-hmm. really truly explained, but kind of neat, I guess. He's 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 a hamburger at the end. He falls over. It was it's really the only way you would have been able to beat this guy based on his size and capabilities, <laughs> truly. It felt like it got a little too much attention. Like that they definitely put a lot of budget into that. <laughs> Well, it's like it starts electrocuting, then he bursts into flames, then he hits the ground. But then, yeah, and then, but then they revisit it. <laughs> oh my god! And no. Try to suggest that, that he's like spoilers. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, we can talk about it. They do a thing later where they like show him like raising up off the pavement, mm, yeah. and there's Moving. a whole like like uh, you know like a Friday the Thirteenth kind of a thing where the bad guy's not really dead, and it's they're just hoisting him up on a crane. And it's right. just the dead body. So unnecessary. So unnecessary. Ice-T, J-Bone has that line. He's like, get that shit out of here. Or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like, don't worry about this motherfucker. Or whatever. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. It was like such a but throwaway line. This guy like burst into flames and burnt to a crisp. But when they're lifting his body, did you notice that they that he still had like some of his clothing yeah. hanging mm-hmm. off of his... That's a bridge too far, movie. I believe a lot of what's on. going on here. But the clothes on this guy? No. It's like, did you do that in case the viewer was like, oh, who's the burnt guy? <laughs> like, no. Everybody knows We all who saw him up. catch fire. <laughs> yeah. Was that the guy who was defeated by the dolphin? I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I see his red clothes. Yep, that's God, him. Uh, yeah, that's him. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people get defeated. By dolphins in movies, turns out. It's, That's I, true. I checked. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would say zero others. So. <laughs> That's probably not true. I don't I know. think there's some terrible dolphin horror movie out there. Probably. Gotta, the Asylum makes a lot of movies. I would have to assume that in their mega sharks and their giant octopods, there's got to be a dolphin, evil dolphin movie out yeah. there somewhere. Probably well, and true. also, is, isn't George C. Scott in a movie about dolphins Trained to kill the president. <laughs> Get out of my face. No way. Oh, my God. Hang We're on. I'm Googling the... it right now. George you... <laughs> C. Scott dolphin movie called Dave the Dolphin with George C. Scott. Shut up. 
day of the um, dolphin. A marine biologist teaches his dolphins to communicate in English, but then they he doesn't realize that shady characters are going to use those dolphins to kill the president. Kill 1973. the president. Wow. See, that's when we gem. had original movies. Everyone complains about all these remakes now, but were the original ideas that much better? Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> We'll have to Do watch. we want dolphins killing the president in theaters today? I don't think so. <laughs> Takahashi, the leader of Pharmacom, was here. He gets mm-hmm. shot in the crossfire. I don't know when, yes. actually, but he's shot in the crossfire here. I think it was by the Yakuza guy, Shinji. In this uh, dying gesture, he gives Johnny the second portion of the key that he had, right? So now we have two out of three of these, like two and a half out of three of these images. And then Johnny's told by J-Bone... This is the climax of the film here, ladies and gentlemen, mm. that he must hack his own brain. To yeah, so can the I just interrupt portion. really <laughs> quickly? I want you to. Okay, so I was um I was sent a wired piece early, early on in this podcast by someone. Um and Wired, the guy who wrote this piece for Wired says that Johnny Mnemonic is one of the best science fiction movies ever. So, you know, take that with what? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But Fun. anyway, I just want to pull this one. Quote from the Wired piece. At the climax of the movie, which, one more time, just so we're clear on this, involves Ice-T and his cyborg dolphin broadcasting the cure for Wi-Fi disease to a VHS tape, (laughs) Keanu Keanu has to hack his own brain. This sounds like a pretty awesome feat of cyberpunkery, but in reality, it looks like a slightly more high-stakes version of the video from Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. (laughs) Nice. Great reference. And oh, that was amazing. I had to copy that and and put it in so so that I could say it because I just I, <laughs> that so after having seen it, I was like, well, that just perfectly describes everything that I just witnessed. Oh yeah, great music video. Uh yeah, God, now I'll never be able to watch this movie again without thinking about that. That's a shame. No, it's not. It's fine. This whole part because they like they, they like relegated this to the VR portion and the graphics look like they're from I don't know. They look like 10 years older than they really are in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. I I just it's just weird to me. I, I think I mentioned to you too that there was a movie that also came out this year and it was just a month or two later. It's called Virtuosity and that was Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. Whoa. Uh, here's the deal. Virtuosity in a nutshell. Russell Crowe plays a psychopath in a uh, computer simulation that is used to train police officers, right? And he keeps getting better and better, so they keep producing better officers. However, he escapes from the simulation, and now he's in real life. And the only one who could take him down is Denzel Washington. It's a cool concept, in my opinion. And I rewatched that this week, too, and I was like, these graphics are better by a lot, and I don't know if this movie had $30 million to work with either. Yeah. Mm. I don't. I just don't know why, and I know why, but I still don't know why. After having worked in the film industry, anyone was ever like, "Let's visualize the data because that's going to look super cool." <laughs> it's never worked because even yeah. at the time, you can look at reviews for Johnny Mnemonic for hackers for whatever. At the time, everyone's like, "None of this is what it looks like. It's really boring. It's boring to look at." Yes. So definitely. Why do people keep trying to get a, make us look at this stuff when it is boring? I, I just don't understand. It looks 
bad even at the time with whatever graphic skills you have or technology is going on. You can't visualize the internet in a way that is compelling. <laughs> did you see the new Wreck-It Ralph? Because... I did not see the new Wreck-It Ralph, but I did hear that that did a good job. Well, but they make it more of like you're physically in a world. This is This is like trying to... You know, you're not physically going in there. It's it's a digital representation of it. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like a lot of movies have tried and failed to do this. And it's super annoying. We cut to this like digital world like two, at least two, maybe three times. And that like under, in my opinion, that undercuts it, right? So we're talking mm-hmm. about like this visualization of data, which is, and tr- honestly, like, that's why the scene at the end of the Matrix where Neo yeah. sees the Matrix is so effective because they give it to you once. Like you see the code for the Matrix happening throughout the movie. You're like, oh, that looks like a bunch of bullshit or whatever. And yes. then when ugly code. Yeah. And then when you see it overlaid on the world and he is you're like, oh. And it's like, here's three seconds of it. Perfect. Let's not mm-hmm. cut back yeah. to it and have a four minute climactic sequence of the movie happened in it. I don't know. Yeah, because it's just it's just never going to resonate. It's not going to resonate with people who don't know the technology. It's definitely not going to resonate with the people who do know the technology. Like, the only reason that Hackers has subsisted as long as it has is because Hackers got everything else right as far as, like, the mentality of Hackers and the subculture and whatever, and obviously some of it's cartoony for the movie, but, like, it still resonated with people in the way that it should have outside of the data being visualized in a cheesy way. But but for this, it just, I don't know, just didn't work. Yeah. I think it's just like, at some point when they're making this movie, they're like, how are we going to visualize this this important part of the movie? And it just, it breaks down. This is where it might be good to have the source material to lean on. I don't know how it was written. So maybe yeah. it was written, I, I don't know. But anyway. J-Bone, you go, you got to hack your brain, dog. He goes in. Johnny's in there. He does. With the assistance from Jonesy, who appears as a as a dolphin. Like, if you were a dolphin, would you want to project yourself as a dolphin if you were in someone else's brain? I don't know. How yes. how much does he, how self-aware is a dolphin? This dolphin. Pretty I, self-aware, very, it seems. That kept me awake, actually, thinking about that. Not for very long. Let's say, like, two minutes longer than I would have been awake if when I was going to bed. But I was like... He projected himself as the exact thing that he is, like cybernetic enhancements and all. It's really weird. Well, it's probably better than being a human. <laughs> like, what other? What else is he gonna pick? I don't know. Like a, just a majestic, like a, like a, like a an unaltered dolphin, like a beautiful unaltered dolphin. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe it's painful for him to think about that. <laughs> All right, we have saying. spent too much time on the psychology of the dolphin. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Here's what happens. They unlock the data. They figure it out. And then the low techs begin the download. And Ice-T slash J-Bone tells everybody to get their VCRs ready in 2021 mm-hmm. because we are going to broadcast <laughs> some shit that you're going to want to know. The cure. <laughs> Hit record on your DVR. Right. You're going to want to set this to LP or SLP because it's going to be a lot of information. You want to get the full. <laughs> Don't so... want your tape to cut out early. <laughs> right. We know it's higher quality when you record less, but that it won't work here. All right. They begin transmitting this data across the world. It's great. 
okay, they get they send the cure out. It's fine, and 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 consequently, I don't know if this is if one leads into the other. Maybe because he got the data out, or for some other reason, Johnny's now able to recall his childhood memories, or at least one of them. Very yeah. vividly of like a birthday party. He sees his mom. He sees his family. It looked pretty nice. Very much unlike what he described earlier is like he doesn't want to hold on to this. This seems like a really nice memory. Yeah. You know, he gets up out of this chair. He takes this headset off, whatever. He walks over to the edge of heaven. And then for whatever reason, the Pharmacom building is on fire now. I don't know. <laughs> that bothered me. That bothered yeah. me so much. Why is it on fire? Did they? Why is it the top like two stories? <laughs> <laughs> Who got in there? How did they set it on fire? Was it yeah. like a oh the secrets out and we've been letting all of these people die because treating them is better? So we got to like burn the evidence down. I don't but then Ice T comes up and he's like, "Time for revenge" or whatever he says. I don't remember something like yeah, that. It's, it's our turn worst. now or yeah, whatever. And line. it's like insinuating that it's the low techs that are burning down this building. But how did they get into the building? How did they get so high up in the skyscraper to burn the top two or three floors? How did, like, they do not explain it at all. Just see a shot of the building burning. So weird. I tried to come to a couple different conclusions also. Like, Pharmacom had it rigged. They knew, like, eventually this might happen. So they're like, if this is getting like a out. Like self-destruct. Yeah, we're going to kill Takahashi. But guess what? That dude's here and he's dead already. Because it was literally his office. You were right. Like, it's the top two floors. It's just where all the executives are. So I don't know. If it was the Lotex, they are, like, way more organized than the movie gives them credit for. Mm -hmm. It sounds like they just, it looked, they, they like bows and arrows. And they are street people. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Paint weird lines on their faces. They do. In the case of J Bone, he has the anarchy symbol right in the middle of his forehead. Mm. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> choice. Interesting choice. Anyway, that's about it. Everything ends up uh, mostly okay. I guess they at least solved this one problem, right? It's like fuck this pharmaceutical company, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what else they do. They were holding yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely still a dystopian future. <laughs> It still really, truly is like Mad Max up in here. At least in Newark, it really is. You're like, oh, I would not want to live there. That's um, that's Johnny Mnemonic, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah. That's not actually his name. He introduces himself just as Johnny. Mr. S well, yeah, just Johnny. And then at one point he says he was Mr. Smith, or he is introduced as Mr. Smith. Well, that's because that's the name on his passport. Yeah, and that was an, I thought that was interesting because we deal with a Mr. Smith in another type of movie like this pretty soon. I don't know. It's just and, some weird. And Smith is Smith is such an uncommon name that it really stands I've out never when someone's heard it named before. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not like a go-to cover-up name. Right. Mm -hmm. I've never. How dare? How dare? <laughs> it would have been cool if he was Mr. Anderson. That would be mm -hmm. mind-blowing. <laughs> Here's what I was thinking. Uh, my, my original thesis holds true. Uh, this is just an exercise for the, for the three of us here. I think this movie, again, was made 30 years too early. If it was made now, it would be... I think it would be very different and very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any ideas for directors who you might want to cover the remake of this movie? I could start. I have one that jumped right to the top of my head when I finished watching this movie. Are you ready? What, what was that? Duncan Jones. He directed oh, okay. Moon, which uh -huh. I loved. I like Moon. 
and a bunch of other really great movies. I'm I'm blanking mm. on right now. Um, he also did I that Netflix Moon. movie. Um, it was well, he did. Oh, I remember. Uh, so mute. He did mute for Netflix. He did Source mm. Code with Jake Gyllenhaal. He did Moon. I liked I th- mute. Right, I liked and mute. that had that cyberpunk thing going on too, yeah. which yeah. was great. I think he nails that. I would also say Denny Villeneuve, but he did the Blade Runner remake and he crushed that. So, but he would be good for this also. I don't know if you had anyone else in mind. There are just some really great directors. Mm, who did uh, Ex Machina? That was mm. a- uh, Alex Garland. And he also did Sunshine, which is another great science yeah. fiction movie. So good call there. Yeah. L- I would love that, yeah. actually. Um, I'm thinking Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You made just me because, sad. Get just out because of here, of Space Evan. Odyssey. <laughs> just leave. Just because of Space Odyssey, or um, the guy that did Tron. The original Tron or Neutron? No. Neutron. I don't know. I don't know about this guy. Joseph Kaczynski. What else has that guy done? I think Tron Legacy was um, uh, was an okay movie. It was. It got more shit than I think it deserved, actually. Yeah. I don't think it was as bad as everybody thought it would be. He did Oblivion, um, too, with Tom Cruise, which was actually a yeah. pretty good science fiction movie. All right. Okay. Okay. Why don't mm. we like Kubrick? He's, I mean, I, I like Kubrick. I just don't think he'd be capable of directing the film today for, for a few yeah. reasons. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but he was good. I just don't think that his steez would match up with this movie. I just don't. I think this movie needs to be more kinetic. Mm. Here's what I really want, honestly. I want the remake of this movie, but I also want Keanu to reprise his role as John Yeah. Just bring him yeah, back. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. it would be great. The um, the guy who did um, District 9 also would be a good... Uh, sci- he's a good sci-fi fellow. Oh, I can't yeah. remember his name. He's got a. He's an interesting cat. Let's let's get right into this. I guess do you two ultimately recommend this film? I'm super curious. Would do you tell when someone's like Johnny Mnemonic, should I should it the movie that came four years before The Matrix, should I watch that? What is your answer? No. No, no, no. Don't watch I don't it. know. I don't know. I really don't have an answer for this one. Just like I didn't really have an answer for does this movie work for you? Because it simultaneously was better than I thought it would be, and I disliked it a lot more than I thought I would. So, like, I really don't know where I land on it. I think yes and no. I think it depends on the person in the conversation and how it comes up. I think I might recommend it, but yeah, I definitely, there would be caveats. All right. I'm kind of right there with you. I would say watch this movie if you like science fiction, but look at it as exactly what it was, which was a stepping stone to better science fiction. It was like on Mm -hmm. the way to get to where we ended up with The Matrix, we had this along the way, which is a prototype, which, uh, you know, I I don't mean that disparagingly. I think they're all the ideas kind of mesh. Well, there are a lot of concepts that are great here. So ultimately, I recommend it. But if you don't like, like, if you were like meh about The Matrix for whatever reason, you're like, it's over my head, or I don't understand it, you're definitely not going to like this movie. So... Yeah, take it with a grain of salt, but it's a recommend for me and Whitney. Mm, no. I am looking at my rankings now and trying to figure out where it belongs based on 
what I have said and also the answers I have not given people uh, about this movie. Um, and I'm putting <laughs> it at spot number 10. It is in currently, as of right now, it is in my top 10. I'm wow. putting it between Little Buddha and River's Edge. Yeah, I uh, mine made it into, what's that, seven? That's too high. Especially yeah, considering uh, you're the only one who doesn't recommend this movie. Season two Season reckoning. Your list. <laughs> <laughs> you're a true, you're an enigma wrapped in a puzzle, <laughs> covered in all sorts yes. of padlocks of sorts. Yes, you'll never understand. I'm going to put this movie... It's not my top... It's not in my top... Yeah, it is in my top 10. It's going to knock Little Buddha out. And it's going to take that number 10 spot for me. Man, I got to have a second reckoning here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's going to be. All right. I, yeah, fine. I'm looking at this. I don't want to make too many mistakes for the second reckoning. I'm trying. It's... Uh, it's interesting. I give it points mm -hmm. for being interesting. So, okay. That's where we are. Next week is a, it's a real nail biter. Ev will be walking us through the clouds. The clouds. A walk in the clouds, of course, which is Keanu and I don't know if there are any other major recognizable names in this. Well, don't do any research. Okay. I mean... Because yeah. I'm on it. The actors are, you know, that's fair game, right? You should know the actors. That's true. That's um, true. That's it does not brash. look Deborah Messing and Freddie mm. Rodriguez. Those are the only two names I recognize. Okay. Everyone else appears to be, hmm, I don't want to mess this up. Spanish, perhaps? And Italian? Does this movie take place over in Italy, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Has any have we seen this? I have I don't I've never heard of I, I don't even think I I've heard think of so. this. Yeah. Whitney? I did a very 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 long time ago. Hmm. Do we uh we have anything else we want to touch on here? No. No, I think we covered it all in spectacular fashion with no assistance mm. from any cybernetic dolphins, mind you. Mm -hmm. It was great. So that brings us to the end of this uh amazing episode of an amazing film. So we'll what be back a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it was. It's. I'm glad the two of you are here with me. <laughs> we will be back next week, but until then, Whitney, where are you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, -E on Twitter, and you can find all of my other podcasts there. Historical Hotties, Almost Better Than Silence, uh, Myth Takes, you can find links to all of those um, from my Twitter account. So that's generally where I tell people to go to find more about me. Perfect. Ev, tell us about your Instagram. Um, it's it's on the internet. You can get to it through the Instagram app. Um, simply look up at Evan Acree, A-C-R-E-E, -E, and it'll pop right up. And um, give it an old follow if you want. Uh, there's Twitter, too, if you wanted to look at that. But it's not great, so don't waste your time. Uh, that's it. Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. You can always <laughs> you can always find me at Dark Driving on Twitter, on Instagram, on an, almost all of the platforms. Uh, just do a search for me. You'll find me there. And then also at Cool Breeze Pod. You know, feel free to reach out again, enter the contest, give us a review, do all that good stuff. We'll be back next week. So until then, 
Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. We go over, especially on a movie like this, I mean, even all the time we spent talking about a goddamn dolphin, which I'll probably cut out. This is an important consideration, the psyche of the dolphin. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but. I'm not sure about that either, but. Sure. <laughs>